0: Hi, welcome to In the Trenches with Andrew Taylor, where we talk about millennials and this crazy world they're adulting into. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In the Trenches, where we talk about millennials and all the struggles they're going through. In this episode, I interview Colleen Honan. Colleen is the chief sales officer at a software company called Brainshark, where she manages a team of millennials, and she loves millennials. She seemed to have figured it out. She's got a really great team, and she's having a good time working with millennials, and that's not the typical narrative that you're hearing right now, and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to interview her for the podcast. The first part of the interview, however— she talks about her experience sending her daughter to Wilderness Therapy Program, and that's how I got to know Colleen. Um, she talks about what that was like sending her daughter off and um, how the family has benefited from the experience. So there's, it's, it's kind of two really different categories for this interview, but I think there's a little bit of something for everyone here. And I need to apologize, and it's funny because since I started this podcast I've become kind of this audio geek on terms of audio quality sound. In the first half of this interview my sound is absolutely atrocious. I had uh, an old headset I was trying to make work and it didn't. So you'll notice that. Please stick with me. Colleen's sound however is perfect. So that's all you need to hear anyway. You don't need to hear me. And uh, so hang in there and I hope you enjoy it and thanks for joining. All right, Colleen. Welcome to the podcast. How's your day going?
1: Oh, it's going great. Thank you for having me, Andrew.
0: Yeah, really excited about this conversation. We've had some fun conversations in the last few weeks around millennials, and I think uh, I think you've got a lot of great insight. And uh, I'm excited to I'm excited to interview you. Um, I, my first question is, and um, what what was your first thought when someone suggested? you as a family seek out a wilderness therapy program
1: yeah that's that's a great question I I didn't even know what a wilderness program was uh, Andrew so I you know when I think of wilderness uh, I think okay my kids gonna be thrown out into the the middle of the forest to fend for herself and I said oh I I don't I'm not so sure that that's really what we need As you know, and I'll just share this story, uh, you know, my daughter was all set to go off to college. She just graduated from high school. Um, She had been dealing with anxiety uh, in the past, and she came to us and said, You know what? I I need a break. I've been going to school since I was four years old. Um, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do, I'm kind of stuck, and I'm pretty anxious about it. And, you know, we said to her, Okay, if you're going to take a gap year, we need a program where you can work on you. And uh, we were told about wilderness programs. Um, we looked at a lot of them, and one of the things we knew we would have to do for Molly is find a program that, that um, she could be active. She's she's athletic. She's an ice hockey player and a field hockey player, and um, she doesn't like to sit still. So. Uh, you know stumbling upon pure life was uh, was really great for us because it had that component where she would be getting out of her element and um, you know she was gonna lead a, a, a simple life in the fact that you know she was going with just a backpack on her back uh, but then really getting an opportunity to stretch her limitations and to you know recognize her strengths and work on her weaknesses and uh, so so that's what we did and you know it, it was it was great to find out that these programs actually exist because you know we really had no clue
0: what was the what was the hardest part of that process in terms of deciding on a wilderness therapy program and you know like you said you know I'm gonna send my daughter out into the wilderness here with with people I don't know and you know she's already right struggling I mean did that that click for you or did that take some time for you to marinate that and let that marinate and make the decision of like, well, I can see how this will be good for my daughter?
1: You know i it was it 's tough so molly 's an only child, so um you know just letting your child go um, at all uh, is difficult in and of itself, especially if they 're going off to college but you know so one of the things was she wasn 't going off to college like all of her friends and she 's got a great friend group, and so that was something that um, you know we we came to terms with and and um, and accepted and um, and knowing that you know maybe college wasn 't for her we weren 't really sure. Um, and then, you know, going off into a program like this, you know, in, first of all, to a foreign country uh, that we didn't know anything about, um, and then not really knowing how she was going to be able to handle, you know, being away from home. we were a really close family, um, her dad and myself and, and her, and, you know, we weren't really sure. We were pretty nervous about it, um, but then we did a lot of research. Um, and. And you know, listen to things like other podcasts, right? And uh, of people that have been through these experiences. And we said, you know what? We'd be doing her a disservice if we didn't at least try. And uh, and it it worked out for the best for us. She she embraced it, I think, from day one.
0: Yeah, definitely. What um, what would you tell other families that might be struggling with that kind of a decision? You know, because we see it we see it often, right? Like yep families that need help for whatever reason and this is true across the board all, all of the programs that are offering this kind of service and you know that initial call of like or or you know they'll often hire an educational consultant which you guys did and, and that that's why I asked that first thing about you know you want to send my young adult into the wilderness and <laughs> you know right? What would you say to other families that might be stuck or in that situation right now that are thinking about a program like ours?
1: Well, I, I would say, first of all, the hardest part, um, and it's going to sound cliche, the hardest part is recognizing that you need the help. Um, and if you know that you need the help, I, I think almost the rest of it becomes a little bit easier. Um, but I would say do your research. I mean, we knew for Molly, you know, there was there was a program that is a great program that is organic farming. And we said to ourselves, that's a great program, but that is isn't. that isn't the right program for Molly Molly needs something where um, she's going to you know she's pretty fearless and she needs something where she's going to be able to test the limits and you know something something like the program that she's in you know where she's whitewater rafting or she's repelling waterfalls or you know she's surfing she's she's completely going above and beyond um, anything she, she ever thought she could do so I would say number one do the research and and make sure it's something that you that you think is a strong but doable for you for your child I, I wouldn't want to you know I I wouldn't want someone putting somebody into a program that they thought was just completely out of bounds or something that might not help whatever their their initial concerns or, or issues are um, this just happened to be perfect for Molly Um and so I see I would say you know hiring the educational consultant was great because then we found out there was such a such thing as wilderness programs second doing your own research um, and three asking you know do do your research online too um, there, there are great podcasts out there that that are from the perspective of people that have been through these programs that, that you can listen to there are um, reviews written um that you that you can take a look at and ask for references of of any of the programs that you're going to and really check into them so that you feel more comfortable um you know we were lucky in the in the respect that molly wanted to do something and um and so it wasn't like we were forcing molly into something that she wasn't comfortable with um but you know i think for other people it's a little bit more difficult it's 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 harder to get um you know a, a teenager to act on that themselves without a push
0: yeah that that buying can be challenging how did you find your educational consultant
1: oh she was great um so yeah we worked um with this woman Marilyn, and she was great. She she met with Molly. She went through um, all of Molly's history. She met with the family. Um, she presented a few programs to us. Um, she made she was really accessible, so we were able to get in touch with her at any time, um, and and she ha- she helped us now through a transition program for Molly, um, which which by the way Molly asked for herself. So after wilderness, a, a lot of people go to these uh, transition programs and. Um, we didn't even think about that, like I said, we've got one kid, and we we didn't even know about this stuff and Molly came to us and said, "I think I need one more step before college and so um, our educational consultant was just great uh, helping us out and and finding those programs that really fit Molly's personality and um and we just recently settled on one and pretty excited about it
0: and who referred you to that consultant, or how'd you go about
1: yep yeah, we. Yeah, we got we got referred to that consultant um, through Molly's therapist, um, and that's how we, we ended up finding finding Marilyn, and she had also worked with a lot of students at the the high school that Molly attended. So we actually heard about her in two different two different ways.
0: Great. So sending your daughter off to a foreign country to the wilderness what was the, what has been the hardest part of this whole process?
1: Yeah. I mean, the hardest part is, is missing her. So I, you know, when, when she gets, she got to the program and it was, you know, in August, um, her phone was immediately taken from her. So I, I remember getting a text from her when she was in line in customs saying, wow, no wait at customs. And that was the very last text I ever got from her. <laughs> and I, I remember that vividly because I'm like, oh no. And then I got a picture of her with the, with the Pure Life team. Um, and then I got another uh, picture of her when she got to base camp. And I never slept better, Andrew, than that night. And I, I think that's because, you know, as a, as a mom, I was dealing, and, and, and my husband as well, we're dealing with Molly and her anxiety. And we're not experts in this. and And we didn't really know what to do. What is the right thing to do? What's the right thing to say? And so we took on that burden our, ourselves. Now we we have a village around us that helps, um, but you know when you're the parents, you take the brunt of it. And I almost felt guilty, uh, you know, that I that I ended up sleeping so well. But I was like, you know what? Now I I get a little bit of a rest from this. And and somebody that is really an expert in this, and the program that's an expert in this, can help her. And um, it, it has been it's been a great 12 weeks in in that regard. Um, And you know, like I said, not talking to her has has been uh, really difficult. But we get letters every week, and we get to write to her at any time. And you know, getting her letters and watching the way she was week one and week two, and you know, you know this, Andrew. Molly was very much like, I'm I'm great. Everything's fine. And um, you know, one of one of the worst things I heard at the beginning was the other kids in the program said why is Molly here she's great and I was saying oh no and then after three weeks four weeks she started really digging into um, herself and her anxiety and it was really refreshing for us because then we we started getting very different letters from her and and we saw her really digging into what she was dealing with what causes her anxiety what she's afraid of um, how she was starting to handle that. And then I, I would say, you know, starting in week nine, we saw a complete uh, transformation with her. And i um, happy that she'll be graduating next week. It's um, It's been quite an amazing process. And, you know, we look at it and we say, you know, she had a whole you know, 19 years of anxiety built up, and in 12 weeks, she was really able to, with the help of, of this program, just really dig in and figure out um, how she can live a much more productive and healthy life.
0: So you, you've you also done quite a bit of work along the way, right? And what? Yes. what kinds of things... What's been your process on your end with, you know, talking to the therapist and the family work? What's that been like?
1: Yeah, um, it's been eye-opening. I would I would say I uh, I've learned a lot in this process. Um, one of the things with um, with Molly is I never wanted her to feel pain or to fail or to fall. And I, I enabled that. You know, anytime I thought she was gonna be in a situation where she might get her feelings hurt or that might be really difficult, I would try to shade her from that and try to help her through that. And I, I really learned a lot through this process that you know, feeling the emotion and all different types of emotion is really important. And, and for Molly to be able to feel that herself um, without so much interference is is really important so that I think that was the biggest thing that came out of this for me um, and, and being much more open and honest uh, about how I'm feeling about her you know I, I was you know I, I would worry about her and I would kind of walk on eggshells and I, I realized I didn't really have to do that
0: your your parenting experience is not a of the millennial you know parenting of millennials where 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 did that come from for you what you just described um
1: in in regard to you know why I did that
0: uh, yeah like why why did you why did you want to you know I I don't want to use words you didn't use but you you kind of said rescue and and sort of protect daughter um you know, where does that come from? Because like we weren't raised that way, right? You and I
1: were not no. that
0: way. And, and <laughs> I say this is atypical, like this is the story, right, uh, that I hear Yeah. day out, not just with our clients and their families, but the, the all the millennial research I'm reading. And, you know, w- but just on a personal level, where do you think that came from for you?
1: Yeah. I I mean, you're right. I I mean, I certainly wasn't raised that way. I mean, my, it it was, it was very different um, growing up. I, you know, we weren't really sheltered from, from anything like that. And we, we, you know, would, would have to really go it uh, on our own and, and, you know, kind of pull it up by the bootstraps and, and keep going. And if you fall, get, get back up and brush yourself off. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it is, it is a generational thing. I think, you know, my friends, all of us are, we're like that with our kids. I I don't, it's, it's a different kind of, um, community right when when Molly was growing up and all of her friends you know we had them we have them very well organized right I, I remember Molly would play little kickers soccer and then she'd go off to hockey practice and she was even a ballerina for a few months and I was, I was very happy to see that go by the by um, I didn't have to sit through recitals and I, I, I just you know we just organized everything for them and we just wanted to make sure that they got all of these experiences and you know, we were, we, we had them, you know, we had her calendar to death and then eventually she would pick out what she was good at and what she really wanted to do. And we would help her through that. And, you know, but it is society around you too. Like I, I remember she's, she's playing on a hockey team and they, they made it to the championship. She was about eight years old. They made it to the championship and they didn't win it, but they all got trophies too and and it's that generation of everyone gets a trophy and I, I remember going wow that's weird because when I came in second place we were really bummed out we didn't get the trophy that the first place team got it, it's it's just the way we treat them and um, I just guess went along with society in that whole thing
0: I in the, thank you for you know letting me ask you because I you know it's easy to criticize, right? I don't have kids. I haven't raised kids yet, so you know. Yep. And but but what I find is a lot of these parents of millennials, like yourself, recognize it fully aware. Like I have sheltered them, I've protected them, yep. and and now you're seeing your daughter move into young adulthood, and you're going, ah, you know. And the attentions are so good. I think it's yep. critical, and I and I'm really sensitive to that. Like it's really easy to. You know, throw stones and point a finger, and you know we throw around the term helicopter parenting and snow yep. parenting, and it's easy to be judgmental. But you know, I interviewed another therapist, and she said, you know, you've really got to ask why are the parents doing this. There's a reason they're doing it, right? And there's there's got to be you know some there's something more to it, right? There's something behind it, and it it's a it is a societal shift. We've seen it. Yeah. In.
1: well Where'd, go ahead yeah I, I, well I didn't, I didn't want to cut you off I was just thinking m- maybe it also comes to the fact that that we're working parents right so when I was growing up my mom did work but she was home a lot she was my brownie leader my dad was my softball coach uh, and my basketball coach and and so uh, you know they, they were home a lot she'd be home when I got home from my mom would be home when I got home from school and I'm a working mom i I run worldwide sales for a software company and I've always been um, you know a parent that not just works full time, but I've also traveled a lot. So I think I felt the need that when I was around that I was you know, even over-involved and, and much more involved. And I think you find that a lot um, with parents today because I, I think most families have a mom and dad that both work. And so every moment you get with the family, you're trying to make sure you're doing everything you can to help them or protect them or to or to um, have fun with them and work with them.
0: That's, that's a really good point. I've heard it mentioned before, but I, I, I often forget about that point. And you're right. This is the first generation that's been raised with women You know their mothers being primarily in the workforce, and that being and that being socially accepted, it's something that you know. And and again, I go back to Amanda, my my podcast with Amanda Thomas, and she mentioned that very thing, and she's like, "This is the first time we've seen it." And she's like, "It's great, we're empowering women, but there there are, there are consequences, right?" And and this might be one. I I never thought of it that way though. That you know that that extra time you have with your daughter. Is is where that feeling of, you know, I'm gonna make sure everything's great and just right for her. That makes a lot of sense. I can I can see how that would be easy to fall into. Um, yep. Where do you What do you think? Do you see a shift coming in that? Do you Where do we go from here in in a parenting sense? Because I don't know. I don't know where we go. But I know you you studied millennials a lot too, and we're gonna get into. A lot of, of your work experience, which I'm excited to to yep. hear about. But do you see this shifting? Do you are you seeing it starting to shift now with your friends? Are are people becoming aware of this? And are
1: we? Gonna- yeah, you know right. what? I don't I don't know. I think, you know, I think the pa- you know my friends and the parents and the kids are off to college. Um, you know, I think the kids now. Uh, they, they they are going off to do their their thing but I still see the parents involved I, w- I went to dinner um, a couple of weeks ago with um, some of Molly's friends' parents um, and it was it was great we had a, a great time catching up but the parents knew everything that was going on at the college with the kids and i and it was funny when I went to college I talked to my mother you know maybe once every week maybe not maybe once every two weeks Um, I also didn't come home until you know Thanksgiving and so I, I look at this and because because everybody's got their heads down in their phone it's very easy to text real quick uh, very easy to make a, a quick call or a FaceTime and and snapchat I mean I, I think I snapchat with everybody now I, I it, it just makes it easier to be more connected um, which is which has it's it's great in some respects but it's got a real downside to it not just because everybody knows your business but because you know your parents are still so involved in your life so you know when you're when you're supposed to be you know at, at your time where you're growing up and you're supposed to be going off on your own you're not really on your own because you're so connected
0: wow that's a really good point i didn't i didn't think of it like that but you're right it your your kids can Still text you two, three times a day from school, and often do right.
1: Yep, and they do. Yep.
0: And that change yeah. the game. Technology. There you go. That we keep getting back. I know. Right.
1: So, it does.
0: Yeah. Um. So you manage a sales team, and you work with a lot of millennials.
1: And I do.
0: What's your What's your been your working experience with millennials?
1: I love them, so I, I know it's a, it's a funny answer, um, Andrew. Because a lot of times you talk to people in the workforce, and they say, "Oh, this millennial generation, I can't stand it. They make me crazy. They're so entitled." And I would say, "I want a hundred of them on my sales team. Find me millennials anywhere you can find them. Um, I I love them because." Um, first of all they are up to date on all the current technology so you know working in, a, in the software um, arena like I do that's really important and so um, the Millennials it, it, to, to hook on to a new technology or something you're implementing in an organization they're the first ones to get it and, and it's really great. Um, they, they're super curious. They want to know why you're doing something and they're not questioning you because they're questioning you. They're questioning the why so that they understand what they're asked to do and, and why that's important. So they ask a lot of questions. Um, they're super ambitious, um, which, we, which we can get to. There's, uh, there's a, a great upside to that. Um, there's also a downside um, I love them because they have a thirst to learn they really really want to get great at what it is that they're doing um, and they have real opinions they they are not afraid you know I, you, you remember when when you're first in the workforce and, you know, you use your ears in proportion to your mouth. You're, you're always, you know, um, I'm going to listen to my boss. My boss is my boss. And what they say goes. Um, the millennials aren't like that. They do listen to you and they're, they're respectful. But they have their own opinions. And if they don't agree with you, they let you know. And um, I, I really love that. I, I actually have a guy that works for me, really smart guy. He runs one of my teams. And I, uh, I sat. I sat down with him and I said, you know, I'd really like you to structure your organization this way next year. I think it would be better if, if we structure it, you know, like this. And he said, he, he says to me, um, I don't really think that's a good idea. And I looked at him and I just kind of laughed a little bit. I said, why isn't it a good idea?
0: And he party. said,
1: well, because this is a young what's kid. that? This is a millennial. A millennial. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's running one of my teams. That's another thing. Right. They're in leadership positions already. And so I said, why, why don't you think that's that's a good idea? And he said, well, because I was in that position at my last company and they did it like that and I didn't really like it. So it was. It, it's always based on personal experience because they haven't been in the workforce very long. So it's not really based on business practices. It's based on how they personally experience something. And so that's that's very different um, than somebody like myself that's been in the workforce a while and have seen all different ways of doing things and, and try to pick out the best practices and implement those.
0: Did you get, did, did you get a sense... When, when he said that, did you get a sense of, like, who do you think you are? Did you, did you Was there a little bit of that, Co- Colleen? And, and that kind of goes back to a question I wanted to ask you, and is it, have you always loved millennials, or have you grown to love them as you've understood
1: them? <laughs> Because you know what i it's funny my it's funny i i've grown to really love them i i never i never disliked them but at the beginning i was kind of like gosh that's a little arrogant or you you know he's pretty full of himself the, the first time i was actually encountered this um you know kind of an interaction with millennials um was was a few years ago it was probably more than a few years ago and i was i was running worldwide sales at another software company and i was meeting with the marketing team, and I was sitting with the marketing team, and I remember we had someone that came in. He was probably a year or two out of college, and uh, and he was working, you know, to generate leads for the salespeople. And I said, you know, why don't we look at at LinkedIn and use the LinkedIn communities too? We'll have people come join our community, and um, we can probably offer some advice in that, and then potentially get some good good leads out of that. And he looked at me, and he was dead serious, and he goes, wow. He said, that's really great coming from someone that's so much older. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and and I sat there, and I looked at him, and I wanted to say, you little <laughs> whatever. But I, I looked at him, and I said, well, thank you. That's a compliment coming from someone that's so young and inexperienced. <laughs> so... <laughs> so that was my first that was my first story but it it was it was a great one because I actually I really loved this kid and and I and he ended up working for us for for quite a while and you know we kept him really engaged but that's really the way he felt he like saw me across the room and saw me as somebody that was older that probably didn't know anything about social media or know anything about the way we should do things and uh, and it was pretty funny that's that's
0: a great story so, so it's been a process for you as well. And I, and I think, yes. Yeah. Because, because I think a lot of people in, in our generation and older are, are struggling with this, right? It's a struggle. And I, I love that you love them. In fact, that's how you yep. really connected. And, and I said, I got to interview for this podcast. Cause I know, <laughs> like, like I know you're in the, in the trenches, not to be cheesy, but that's the title of my, yep. you know, of my podcast. And I know, I know okay. it is. Yeah. <laughs> you, got, you got a really good sense for for what's going on there. What what have you done personally to go from who are these people to I love them and I and I'm working with them and I'll hire more and I I can't get enough. What what got
1: you there? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, I, I, I say to anybody um, that doesn't like them and is in the workforce, you better get to like them because, uh, you know, from everything you read, 75 percent of the workforce uh, by 2025 in eight short years away will be millennials. So if you if you don't like them now you you gotta figure it out or and if you don't figure it out you know they're likely to be your boss and leading your organization so um it probably isn't coming upon you to do so uh but you know what i did i uh, first of all i really got to know them more socially and and so i i with a lot of my first of all at my company now i sit with our account development team. Um, there's there's 15 of them, and they sit in um, cubes, and it's a real open area, and my desk is sm- smack in the middle of them. And I, I do that, one, because I like to have a pulse on the business and what's going on, um, and two, because I learn a lot. I listen to them, how they interact with each other, how they interact with prospects and clients on the phone, um, and I, I get to learn a lot. So um, that's that's why I do that. Um, I I had to read a lot. You know, I I read a lot of books and I I read a lot of articles about millennials and um, about, you know, what what they're into and and how they want to be treated. Um, I, I. I make sure that I'm just so in tune with that because I have to be um, because they, they do make up the majority of the organization that I run and they have um, in my past, my past couple of organizations. So um, it's really important to understand what they care about and what makes them tick.
0: So what do they care about and what makes them tick?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, in managing them, um, there, there's a, a few things I, I give advice to people in this and, and have done pretty successfully is career pathing. Um, you, you need to understand where they want to be and realize that they want to get there a lot quicker than you're willing to, to put them in that role. So uh, millennials, I think they last anywhere from 18 to 24 months in a job. Um, and so, and, and I mean at a company not not actually their role so at a company they'll they'll bounce around um because because they can. They, they actually are the most mobile generation, I, I think um, ever. They, they just aren't afraid to make those kind of decisions. you know where whereas you know Gen Xers and, and baby boomers like to stay in a job 15, 20 years, these guys 18, 24 months are out to the next one. So if you're investing in them, you have to really understand them and you have to have a career path for them so that so that you can keep them in the organization if you want to. Um, One of the things I've done uh, here, and I I did it at the last company as well, is I put together a future leaders program and I I would I would have managers nominate uh, the salespeople or support people uh, for for the future leaders program. And it would be everything from what does it mean to be a leader? What does a good leader look like? How do you manage people? How do you give people feedback? How do you coach and develop them? How do you help them with their sales skills, in particular, because I run a sales organization? Um, and, And so, it's it's along the lines and it's a weekly program and, and we certify people in every step and and at the end of them we certify them to be a future leader and then we put them in a program where maybe they'll be a team leader, where they'll be kind of a player coach um, and then they'll move into more of a coach and, and, a, and a management position. Um, And so that's one of the programs I've done. And then another program I do is called the Next Role Program. So you take somebody um, in in a sales organization or maybe they're in support and, and they're um, working with customers, supporting customers, but they want to get into sales. Well, it's putting them into a program ahead of time that gives them the skills necessary to be able to move to that next role. And when you do that, you're investing in them, and they know you're investing in them, and, and it makes a transition easier in the organization because they will not stay in their same role very long. Um, you know, they're in, it, they're in a role for six months, and they think they should be moving to the next one
0: it sounds like a lot of work
1: yeah it is um, I I've, I mean I've been very fortunate to have a great team I've got um, a sales enablement team and and that team is responsible you know I, I put together on paper what it is that I'd like to see in these programs and they're really great about about building them and and putting them together it, it doesn't hurt either that I work for a company called brain shark that actually builds a platform for sales enablement so that's that's been helpful um, as well but you know it's you know the other thing I, I would say you know to, to manage them and to help them out, um, gamification or you know making it really fun for them um, is important. They like to be recognized. Um, we do a lot of contests. Um, we do a lot of spiffs. Um, the company I work for, Brainshark, um, every third Thursday, as a matter of fact, it was last night, um, we have a different theme, and at four o'clock in the afternoon, um, yesterday was a casino theme, and at four o'clock in the afternoon, um, they bring in um, drinks and food, and everybody socializes from four to six. And um, it's a great way to get to know everybody else in the company, it makes it really fun. Everybody loves third Thursday. Um, it's you know it's it's a way to celebrate your successes and and also to kind of unwind and and just chill out for for the afternoon with your colleagues so I, I think that's you know, really important. And I also, you know, companies now um, have unlimited time off. So, you know, paid time off instead of saying, you know, you're starting at a company and you get two weeks vacation or three weeks vacation, um, companies are saying, take vacation when you need it. Just clear it with your manager. And what you find is that people really don't abuse that. Um, you know, sometimes you have to force people to take more vacation.
0: What about companies that are not doing this sort of thing?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think they're they're Going to have to get with it. I think I think companies are getting better at that. You know, it's funny. I see a company like uh, GE where you know that used to be used to be recognized, and they've done a lot of great commercials on this. They used to be recognized as a big manufacturer of um, you know of uh, airplane engines or or your appliances in your kitchen, um, and now they've made this whole play where um, they're attracting the millennials, and the commercials on TV basically show them. Millennials saying to their, you know, one of them says to their parents, "Yeah, I just got a job with GE." And the guy, his dad, turns to him and he hands him his his hammer and he says, "Well, I'm going to give you this hammer because now you're working for a big manufacturing company." Guy goes, "Well, actually, uh, I'm an engineer. I'm a software engineer." And they look at him and go, "Oh, okay. You just do your thing." (laughs) You know, it's just showing that you know millennials have a place at GE. Um, GE is digitizing and it's, um, it's a different kind of place than it used to be. So, uh, you know, I think companies are starting to, to really work towards that, hiring the millennials and, and changing their culture around a lot.
0: They have to, they won't yep. survive unless they do. And you know, I agree. it's typical, right? There's a lot of people fighting that, but you can't. And that's what I love about you is you've taken a really proactive approach to Definitely. learn about them and you're you're having a lot of fun. It sounds like.
1: Oh, I, I love it. I love coming to work every day. I learn something. I, I learn something different. You know, it was over. I was talking to the team on Friday, and we were sitting around. I said, "Oh, what's going on for the weekend? What's everybody doing?" And and two of the um, women on the team, my millennials, turned to me and said, "Oh, we're going shopping on Newbury Street. Do you want to come with us?" And I go, <laughs> so I said, "Yeah, sure. I'll go with you." I said, you know, I'll go with you on the condition that you help me pick out some stuff for my daughter for Christmas and that I buy lunch. And they said, OK, deal. So, I mean, it, it's really it's really a lot of fun. I, I have an absolute blast with them every day.
0: What books did you read that you would recommend to others?
1: Yeah. So um I, I read most recently um I read not not everyone gets a trophy. So I would say um that one uh, in particular is good. It it you know it's it sounds like a, a much more negative connotation, but I didn't read it that way. I actually read it um as you know this is this is what we we we're responsible for this this millennial generation so if you don't if you don't like it that's that's really too bad because everybody's had a hand in this and i I read it as um you know i as how to work with them communicate with them and and deal with what they care about even if it isn't exactly the way that that you know wasn't the concepts that you had
0: and I think that's the hardest for previous generations is this sort of, well, that's what I had to do. And I find myself falling into that trap, right? Where it's like, well, yeah. I, I was very respectful to my boss. I was very, you know, I respected the, you know, kind of this know your role attitude. And that's not where, yeah. you know, that's, but we we, we we do what we're used to, right? And, and we want it to be the way it was when we were. And we, we grew up in a workforce where you knew your role. And you knew your place and you don't yep. you, you you might give some input if you're asked. Otherwise, do your job yeah. in, in about yep. five years. We may ask you We may ask for your input. Right. And <laughs> yeah. it's totally different from millennials. They're walking through the door. And I'd love your thought on this. Do you do you get the impression they really do think they know more than you when they get? Yes. There? And yes. And where um, does that come yeah. from? And, and or yeah, do they really know more than you, or or metaphorically um, you, right? Their boss.
1: Yeah, you know what? In some respects, there are things that they that they know. Like I said, I I take every every day that I sit with them as a learning experience because I can only get better if I really truly understand what motivates them. Because if I can motivate them correctly, they'll do a better job, and if they do a better job, I do a better job. I win, and the company wins. And that's really what I'm here for. Um, you're right. There is no concept of paying your dues. That that was that's gone out the window. Um, and they, I, I would say you know they come in knowing thinking that that they know more than you do about I would say how things work you know like you know they laugh because I know snapchat right and then I'm on snapchat all the time and I'm I'm Doing Snapchat stories, and I'm snapping my friends and all of that, and they, they, they're like, "Wow, you, you use Snapchat? My mother doesn't use Snapchat," and I'm like, "Well, your mother probably doesn't manage a bunch of millennials either." So I, I, I look at that, and I, and they just get kind of shocked when you know something that's part of their world, and so they do think that they know more than you do when it comes to that. But when it comes to um, you know your core competencies and, and the role that you're in, I do find that they they want to have new experiences and they have a thirst to learn. So it really is important for them to, to pay attention. Now they'll still they have their opinions, um, and they might think that their opinion is better than than what you're talking about. But they do listen and learn when you talk to them about um, about. Their jobs and, and what they're responsible for. But, you know, I, I would say, Andrew, Andrew they, they are coachable. You know, they've been coached ever since they were little kids. I, I think of even my daughter being in so many sports and they, they were used to being coached constantly. But even though they're coachable, They they require coaching uh, because that, you know, the one thing I, I think, and this is broad brushing it and it's not with everybody, but with millennials, you can't just send them off on their own and say, okay go do this because they're used to working in teams. And they're used to collaborating, um, and they're used to being coached and kind of told the direction to go in. And so I find a lot of times when you give them something to do, they often come back um, more often than not and ask ask how to do something more or to to get more help or more direction in how something should be done.
0: Yeah, I um, you know the word I, the word I I think about. Just kind of going back to your, just your earlier comment on that was, you know, when you're talking about Snapchat and you being really savvy to those technologies yep. and them coming in, you know, knowing quite a bit around certain technologies is relevance. I think of the word relevance. And oh yeah, yep. uh, my interview with Derek Bowles, he said, you know, we, you know, just talking about his therapeutic programs, but I don't think it's just therapeutic programs. I think it's managing millennials. You've got to be savvy you got to be savvy to what they're doing, and they do bring some relevant information. It's the first generation we've seen coming into the workforce where they know the tools better than the older generation, right? They're just as good, if not better. Yep. And and that's totally opposite of what it was 100 years ago where you apprenticed and you learned from someone who knew, and that, that game has totally shifted. And so I think it looks like entitlement. It feels like entitlement or arrogance, and sometimes it is, but not always. Yep. And no. and I think I think you're right. You've got to be relevant, and yep. they, they they respect that if you understand them, you understand their language. In fact, I'm I'm submitting a presentation at a conference on this very thing. I'm hoping that that it gets picked up on speaking the millennial language, and and what oh, that. Oh, I love like. it. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, I really, I think you're, I think you are the exception in that you've taken a really proactive approach to this and what's cool is you're having fun doing it, you know, it's, it's because your job, if you didn't, I, I have a feeling it would be a nightmare.
1: Oh, it'd be so boring. It would, uh, yeah, it it would be, you know, uh, yeah, it would not be, it wouldn't be half as fun as it is now. Um, it really wouldn't and I I was just gonna go back to something you said about um, them knowing all of the tools they actually require it I think this is the first generation that when they are interviewing uh, and and they come in they require tools that they used to to be part of the package so it's not just a compensation package that they're looking for and and they're looking for a great work-life balance but they also require the tools to do their job it's it's um, it's pretty remarkable
0: like what, what, would be, what would be an example of those tools?
1: Sure. So um, when, when we're getting ready to hire somebody for a role, and let's say their job is prospecting, so it's going out to find new customers, they require different software packages. For instance, they want LinkedIn. They want to make sure that they have access to LinkedIn and not just the LinkedIn, you know, free version that you get, um, but but the premium version so that they're able to reach out to contacts and they're able to use that information. Um, they all have access to our, our CRM system called Salesforce.com. They want to make sure that that's what we're using. Um, there is um, there is software that we use um, that manages your your day-to-day activities. Um, they ask for to to make sure that they have something that helps them, that helps them with their time management. I mean, it's pretty funny. They want to set themselves up for success, but they want the company um to to take a big role in that. And I mean when I was going into a company, you know, and I was I was in sales, I was basically handed the yellow pages and said, here, go to it. Or or maybe I brought the yellow pages myself. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so so what um what tools are you using? What other tools I guess are you using for these millennials? I mean, you've given us a lot already, but what I guess what advice would you give to people out there that maybe aren't getting it yet?
1: Yeah, I would say you know um I, I would say do a lot of coaching and developing. Uh, for, for the people on your team and pay attention because if they're asking you if they can move to the next thing and you're not showing them a path to get there um, and you're not acting quick enough, they're going to the next job down the street. They're not sticking around. And, and you end up losing good people that you invest in. And it costs a lot of money to hire and train people uh, in an organization. So you've got to be really aware of, of what, what they care about. Um, I can't say that enough. It's, uh, it's really important. They, they get bored pretty easily and they get pretty impatient. And um, you've got to really, really figure out um, how you motivate them and keep them. Um, I would say it's it's they they want feedback and they want to be invested in, um, and so you have to give them feedback. You have to tell them, you know, here's what you did really well. Here's what I think you need to work on, and if you work on this, this is what you, what the likely outcome is going to be. So I think it's it's very important to to pave that way for them and show them that. Um, I I think you know, that would be my advice to anybody that is working with millennials. Um, and and you if you're not working with them now you're going to be
0: <laughs> <laughs> what what advice would you give to millennials that might be listening to this that are stepping into the workforce or are struggling in the workforce
1: yeah, I would say be realistic, um, be open, um, uh, and and really do an introspective on yourself and what you're good at and what you might need some help and support on, and don't be afraid to ask for that help. Um, not everybody is good at everything, and you have to figure out what that is. And don't be afraid to talk about what motivates you. I, I've got some salespeople on my team that are are motivated by by the money they make and, and the commission that they make. I have others that um you know are really motivated by work life balance and being able, you know, our company is great. Brain Shark um in the summertime has um has summer Fridays and every Friday um, you get out at noon time and it's it's great the Millennials get in and, and everybody it's not even just for the Millennials it's for everyone but um, it's recognizing that people really want to get a, a start on their weekends and we allow them to do that a little bit earlier than most companies so it's a great perk for people that are coming here to work but it's also um, really great time to be able to unwind and enjoy the, the good weather Um so that's that's a smart thing to do. The work life balance is is pretty important. I uh I had a guy that worked for me and another millennial on one of my, my teams that said, you know, I really need to work from home two days a week and and I said to him, well you live 20 minutes away, why do you have to work from home? He said, well, I have a dog. My dog's home alone all the time. I need to go spend some time with my dog. And it's so funny because I said, I I was laughing because I'm like, you have to spend time with your dog. Isn't there an app for that? I think there's an app called Wag, you can use that. right so I, I i just start to laugh but it was really important to him it was it was you know but I, but i think of myself you know 10 years ago would i have ever said to my boss hey listen i'm going to be home tuesday and thursday cuz my dog's lonely <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> you know it, it's um it's funny see you have to really you've got to listen you have got to pay attention and you know he if we didn't make some accommodation he's going to go to some company that lets him bring his dog to work with him you know which a lot of companies are doing so it's it's important to just get it and understand them and everyone is different everyone's motivated differently and and you've got to really figure that out right from the beginning
0: how do you know though when when how do you know when they've crossed the line and and how does that conversation sound from you for example you know, whether it's the dog or whatever, how do you know when you get to a point of ridiculousness? Because at some point it, yep. got, it gets ridiculous, right? And you've got to say, oh, it does. hey, listen, yep. man, I, I get you need to spend time with your dog, but yep. What, yep. how do you measure that and, and track that and, and how do you have that conversation?
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's a really good question. I mean, we, we had somebody here that um, just wasn't coming into work. And, and then like, I mean, literally wasn't coming in and, and would you know be here on a Monday, then leave around two in the afternoon, and we'd be looking for him, saying, "Where did he go?" And and then on on Tuesday he'd show up, and then maybe Wednesday he would, and he would never even call his boss and say, "Hey, I'm not coming in, or I'm not feeling well." He he just felt like he was just going to make his his own hours. And that's an extreme case, but it it's a, it's a real case. It was just a a couple of months ago, and it was a sit down and just said, "Listen, you know this is what the job requires, and this is what we need from you." and if you you have to decide whether you're willing to do that or not and um you know and then it didn't get much better and then of course then you've got to have the discussion which is you know you're going to have to leave the organization um which are never fun conversations but there there is a responsibility that you have and that is you know getting up in the morning um coming and and giving us the the eight eight nine ten hours that we require and giving it your all and um and and really making the most of, of yourself at work. Um, because we are, we are hiring you to do something. And, um, and that's the whole purpose of, of having a job. So uh, it is, it is, there are some difficult conversations you have to have. They're never fun.
0: Yeah. When, when you think about, um, you know, when you think about the future and, and millennials running the show, and becoming managers, what do you think that's going to look like? Do you have any idea?
1: Well, I hope it looks like google you know <laughs> i uh <laughs> i i I look at it and say, you know those are millennials that started a lot of these companies, and they've done quite well um, You know what I think it's it's going to be a lot more laid back as it as it is already It's very different now uh in the in the business world than it was you know even ten years ago um and certainly twenty years ago. Um so I, I think there will be much more of a work-life balance that I think other countries have right and the United States doesn't. Um, you know, and then there's there's other companies that go to an extreme too but i i feel like that's that's a big piece of what will happen um and we because technology is is allowing us to do things smarter quicker faster you know than, than we could do before um i i think that that's okay i think that you know if it is a little bit more laid back you can do things in in a shorter period of time than you could do before and i i think it's okay i think um that will work out you know and I I think that there'll be a lot more social responsibility with companies because this generation really cares about that they want to be good corporate citizens Um, you know we do a lot of volunteer work here because because we need to it's it's a real we give we give days off of volunteering Um, you know people share their volunteer stories Um, we do a lot of you know the slideshows and get people excited about that kind of stuff um, because it is important. So I think there's that component, you know, um, that, that's really, that's really great. And, and they're really great at building communities too. Uh, So I think, you know, I think it will change, but I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm pretty optimistic about it.
0: Um, and, And you kind of answered my last question and that was how do you, like we know that meaningfulness, you know, Millennials are, are really wanting meaning out of their job, and you know, yeah. I think you're doing you. You guys do software sales, and yep. you know, you just kind of answered that with all of the volunteer work and things like that. But any anything in specific you do to try to make software sales meaningful, and or do you is that a challenge with the with the millennials you're working with?
1: I you know what I think because we take. Um, you know, we take our social responsibility so serious here, that's super important to them. Um, So this isn't just a job, you know, this is, this is a career. And so when you come in here, if you're feeling like you have purpose every day, and that you're being invested in, um, that goes a long way. And so we do a lot of coaching and developing so that, that each individual gets what they need um, out of, out of their eight to 10 hours a day. And, you know, we we spend a lot of time with that, and and um, we make it fun for them. You know, we we want to make sure that when they come to work, that um, that you know you, you spend a lot of time here at work, probably more time, more waking hours here than than at home. And we want to make sure that it's a good experience for you and and for the people around you. Um, so we we spend a lot of time on that, and it, it's hard because it it's not that the product we sell um, is something that that naturally does that. But if you're investing in the people that are selling it in other ways, it's, it, it goes a long way.
0: Cool. Well, Colleen, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge and I, I've learned a lot about managing millennials from talking to you. And I think I love the, I just love the optimistic approach you take towards it. And, um, you know, and, and and thank you for sharing your, your personal story about, you know, your daughter and, uh, what it means to step into this process, and that takes a lot of guts. So um, I just really appreciate you coming on the, the podcast, and I think this is going to benefit a lot of people.
1: Well, thank you, and, and keep doing what you're doing. It's uh, it's really a great vocation. It's It's been wonderful to be a part of it. So thank you for having me on today. I really enjoyed it.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Colleen.
1: All right.